Why do you love running? There's so much that I love about running. Everything. That runner's high. The excitement of winning the race. You can do it anywhere. I can make a list of like a hundred things. You get to see so much on a run. Just being able to. The joy of finishing the race. You can just get into a, a rhythm. Really good, positive people. Being around and meeting other people who also love it. The freedom of it. I have become friends with so many motivating and inspiring people through running. And it just can provide a lot of happiness to a lot of people. There's just so much to it and it just makes me happy. Welcome to the For Love of Running podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Stevens. As a runner, I've coached and ran races on the roads and trails, covering distances from 5K to 50K. Each episode, I share my love of running by having interesting conversations with runners of all ages and ability levels. This is the story behind the miles. To stay informed on the latest episodes, follow the For Love of Running podcast on social media. Connect with us on Instagram at For the Love of Running Podcast and Twitter at Love Running Pod. Join our Facebook group For the Love of Running Podcast and let us know why you love running. As a runner, you know that the mental aspect of running is is huge, is just as big, just as important as that physical aspect. And when you start to doubt yourself, your performance suffers. Hey guys, how's it going? Today, my guest is a former Division I runner for the University of Minnesota. I met him years ago when snowboarding with my brothers in Colorado. Let's dig in and find out his story behind the miles. Welcome to the For Love of Running podcast, Benjamin Hansen. Thank you, Jeremy. Look forward to it. So, Ben, where did you grow up? I grew up about an hour west of Minneapolis, a small town called Montrose. I actually grew up in the middle of the country. And the reason I, uh, I bring that up, you know, my running experience, a lot of it is just pounding miles on the dirt roads all by myself out in the country. And it's just a, you know, a unique perspective now that I'm living in the city and I've lived in big cities since then. What was it like growing up in Minnesota? I know the weather is a huge factor. Did you play a lot of sports when you were younger growing up? Yeah, like the the sports we played were dependent upon the season. So in the fall, it was football. In the winter, it was basketball and hockey. In the spring, it was baseball. In the summer, it was a combination of everything. Uh, most of our family gatherings actually revolved around sports uh, we would always have a big Thanksgiving football game. We'd have a Christmas Day football game followed by a Christmas Day hockey game. And so just the active lifestyle, the sports um, was very much a, a big part of our family and defined who we, who we were. You got to love that Turkey Bowl football game. I grew up doing that on Thanksgiving every year. It's so much fun. Oh, indeed. And uh, in Minnesota, most of the time Thanksgiving is snow free. But there were a couple years where we had some snow for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We always had the snow football game. So, it, you know, you just rolled with it. You grew up in a very active family. You have a lot of brothers and sisters. What was that? Did you could you field your own football team or was it a lot of relatives? What was that like? There are four kids. I have an older brother, a younger sister and younger brother. Um, but then it was uh, our two neighbor boys as well. So a lot of the times we were playing, it would have been, you know, makeshift 2v2 games. And I was fortunate that I was the youngest. So my older brother and the older neighbor were four years older than me. And then the other neighbor boy was two years older than me. So it's like I got brought along at a young age and I was forced to play at that at that higher level. You know, the bigger games, we'd certainly my uncle was a big part of it. But uh, no, I mean, you just you made it work with the numbers that we had. 
So you spent a lot of time playing these sports. Did you play in organized leagues? Yeah. I'm guessing for hockey and those other uh, Actually, not hockey. Hockey was all pickup. That's really the only sport I never played like in a league. But, uh, you know, football leagues, flag and tackle football, you know, basketball leagues, t-ball up through baseball. I um, actually did a stint with, with swimming. I was in wrestling for a while. I did soccer. Uh, you name the organized sport, and I, I pretty much played it at one point in my life. So how did you transition to getting involved in running, or when did you first get involved with running? Well, as you're aware, like running is a part of all those sports that I mentioned. I, I come from a family where running is a, a pretty big deal. Both my parents were, were marathoners. Uh, my mom was actually a, a really good marathoner back in the day, and she actually was uh, mentioned on the first podcast with your brother, John John. She was his inspiration to get off his butt and start training, and so she's still doing it all these years later. My dad was a track coach in a different school district. My mom was my track coach and my cross-country coach and my uh, physical education teacher as well. So we had that that running influence from a very young age. So you probably spent a lot of time, besides playing sports when you were younger, but going to your parents' races and spectating and seeing them training and kind of, they set that example for you. Absolutely. It was just when you grow up with it, it's it's the norm, right? And I do remember, it wouldn't be like super often, but you know, three, four times a year when my mom would be having a workout and it would be like a fun day for her cross country team. She would, like I said, she was our elementary school uh, gym teacher. So she'd take us from elementary school and drive to the high school for cross country practice. And we'd tag along and, and participate as a team. I remember one of the workouts uh, that we did, and this is actually uh, as a cross country coach yourself, uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is a great, uh, great workout, or not a workout, but a great fun day. Um, we called it the rainbow run where you set up like cones around your campus and you put different color markers underneath each cone. And then everybody gets a, a strip of like masking tape, you know, about four to six inches long. And then you have like a key in advance where it's like, if I'm you know designated number one, my first color is blue. If you're designated person number two, the first color you need to find is red and person number three, they need to find orange, so on and so forth. And so you search all the cones until you find the color that you need. Then you run back to the check-in point and then you'll say, hey, I'm number one. I just found blue. And they're like, perfect. Your next color is yellow. Go find it. Now, it's possible that in your search for the blue marker, you remember where the yellow one is. So you can go straight there and get it. Otherwise, you you start searching underneath all the cones and you get it until you find it. And you can also turn it into like a scored like meet where you can divide up however big your program is. You know, divide it up into four different teams, five different teams, however many teams you want. You know, and then when they finish all eight of their colors, they get the little like number at the end and say, hey, you know, this person finished first, they get one point. This person second, they get two points. And you can score it, you know, like a cross country meet, but it's just a, a fun, mindless, easy way to get kids out running. That's really interesting. I've never heard of that. You said it was called the rainbow run? That's what my mom called it. Yeah. And I've actually spent some time coaching cross country myself and the schools that I've gone to, I've introduced it and called it the rainbow run, but yeah, it's it's super easy to set up, and like it's one of those workouts that like everybody looks forward to. So like you you establish it, and then the next year like oh hey coach when are we gonna do the rainbow run? Let's do the rainbow run. And it sounds like it gives you a chance to like do a little bit of interval training without your athletes even knowing, and it's just like a fun team atmosphere around it. So that's a pretty cool way to present it. Absolutely. It gets you the the cardiovascular work that you said without like that mental 
angst that sometimes comes with interval training. So it's like to us, it was a fun, easy, not when I say easy day, it was a fun day. So you're willing to put in as much effort as you wanted to beat everybody else. So that rainbow run and when you were in elementary school and maybe heading over to the high school for cross country practice, was that something early on that you remember and you're like, wow, this maybe running could be something later on or you just had early fond memories of those things? Yeah, I mean, I would say more the latter, like it was just just something that was that was, like I said before, like kind of the norm, like that's that's what we did in our family, like mom would take us with her. I don't know if that like flipped a switch and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be a cross country runner, but it certainly didn't deter it either. There's another uh, running experience also courtesy of my mom. By the way, I, I'm going to go ahead and plug her one last time and say that she should be one of your guests at some point. You know, maybe you're talking about pre-Title IX, what it's like for women to run and compete. But uh, anyway, as uh, my gym teacher, she actually created this program for our school that uh, Michelle Obama would have been proud of, getting us uh, active and motivated during recess. She called it the Montrose Marathon, and she got all the staff members like engaged, and they bought into the program. So twice a week during our recess, which was, I don't know, a half-ish hour, we would run quarter-mile laps around like all the fields. And then like the recess aides or paraprofessionals or whatever they were, would like pull punch or stamp or give us tickets, however they were, you know, keeping track of how many laps we did. And then when we got done with that, we'd go into our our homeroom teachers, you know, right after recess, and then we'd report how many laps that we did. And then they would keep track. And, you know, when we got to five miles, we'd get a certificate. When we got to 10 miles, we'd get a certificate. When we got to 15, so on and so forth. And then anybody that actually completed the whole marathon, and I think it was about a nine-week period, there was like a pool party that... Uh, that you like the whole school is invited to. So it was a great like way to get everyone involved in fitness. I mean, you didn't have to run, you could walk your laps, you could do whatever. And then there was class competitions, like different teachers would bet against each other. Like, Hey, we'll challenge to see how many miles we can run versus you can run. And it was just a great way to, to promote fitness back before it was really cool and hip to promote fitness. Not only does that connect with what you were saying about Michelle Obama and her initiatives for wellness, but also today, like my nephew He's in elementary school and they have something called the morning mile. And these are where elementary school students come early and then they have people that keep track and then they add up and then they get so many miles and like that. But it sounds like your mom was ahead of her time. She had this idea and she really went with it. I mean, yeah, this is back in the, in like the late eighties, early nineties. So when you're in elementary school, did you participate in that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, in fact, um, being the competitive person that I was like, I completed two marathons. So, I mean, the equivalent, it seems like, it seemed like a lot back then, but, uh, you know, in that however much time we had, you know, I think I probably averaged 60 to 70 miles during that nine week period where others, you know, struggled to get 10 miles. That's pretty impressive. What grade were you in? I guess anywhere from first to fifth grade or something like that? First uh, through sixth grade. Yep. Okay. Wow. So when did the switch come for you when you went from these team sports to just running? Um, not till college. Actually, in high school, I, I still participated in soccer. I still played basketball in the winter. I did cross country and track, but for the longest time, basketball, I thought that was going to be my sport. Like Everything I did revolved around basketball. As I got later into high school, I still played. I still enjoyed it. Like uh, I was on our varsity team for a couple of years, my junior and senior year. But by then, I'd kind of realized that my, my future laid in running. Like I was much more I had much more success in uh, track and cross country than in basketball. 
you just kind of touched on some of your high school experience. So in high school, you ran cross country, you played basketball in the winter, and then you would do outdoor track in the spring. Yep. And then in the summer, it was soccer and then basketball camps and then running as well. And then uh, some weight training. So it's constantly busy. What's that experience like running for cross country and outdoor track in Minnesota? So I can imagine the weather playing a factor in both those seasons where cross country, you're probably getting into the cooler weather early. And then in outdoor, you're probably starting when the weather's still probably a factor. Uh, you're, you're not wrong. It's, it's certainly an, an issue. And that would be a bigger issue for me in college, just because there was that three to four month period of time from November through March, where I really didn't run a step. It was all basketball. I, I guess as a Minnesotan, you just deal with what mother nature gives you. If it's a nice day, you get out there, appreciate it. If it's not a nice day, you bundle up a little bit more and it makes the next nice day all that much more enjoyable. What was your experience like running in, in high school? I loved it. I loved the team aspect of it. Uh, I loved the fact it was co-ed. Uh, I, I was pretty good at it. In in middle school, I won just about every race that I was in. Um, I might have lost like two or three races, you know, in all of seventh and eighth grade. Time in high school, like freshman, sophomore years, I didn't uh, win that many. But by the time I was a junior, I, I would win more often than than not. It always makes it more enjoyable when you're winning races. But it was also like I got to know a lot of people from other schools, especially like people that were were pretty good runners as well. And so when we'd go to these meets, like it would be a chance to to see my friends and race against my friends again. And so, uh, you know, by the time I was a senior, I knew or was friends with you know, almost everybody that was, you know, a competitive runner at that point. You said earlier with basketball, you learned maybe towards the end of your high school time that running was your future. So what was the recruiting process or the process where you realized, hey, I want to run in college? What was that like? And did you visit a lot of different schools or were you kind of set in your mind like, hey, I want to stay local. I want to stay in Minnesota. I actually hadn't given it a ton of thought. Uh, at, at some point, if you'd asked me like, hey, are you going to run in college? I'd said, uh, I don't know, probably. It wasn't necessarily like a goal from day one, nor was uh, my choice of ending up at Minnesota. Like I, I didn't really know that's what I wanted at the time either. It did make the, the recruiting process kind of interesting. I remember when uh, I was being recruited, I, I got recruited by a handful of Division I schools, a decent amount of Division II schools, and then a few local Division Three schools. As I said, I really didn't know what I wanted. And so I just remember spending like hours a week talking to coaches on the phone, even though I was almost certainly not going to go to that particular school. It's just, as I said, I was pretty naive as to, as to what I wanted. I do remember the first time I got a letter from the University of Minnesota. It was like the beginning of the school year, my senior year. And I remember when I got it, like my heart started like to race a little bit. And like I said, at the time, I didn't know like I wanted to be a gopher, even though I'd grown up a gopher fan. For my birthday and my older brother's birthday, my uncle would always take us to a, a gopher football game. My parents split basketball tickets with a, another couple. So I'd go to basketball games, went to baseball games, went to wrestling matches. Like I, I you know, a true uh, Minnesota gopher fan, but I never made the connection that like, hey, this could be me until I got that letter uh, my senior year. And I remember when I opened it up, like I wasn't like super anal or super prideful. I didn't need like a handwritten letter by any means. When I opened it up, it just said like, dear prospective student athlete, like they couldn't even take in the time to put in like, dear Ben, you know, in most uh, other schools that I'm getting recruited by are, are way more personal. Like I said, I got handwritten letters from people, but I remember when I got that, it, it really hurt. And I was just like, I'm not going to fill that out. Like, 
no. And so I don't remember if I threw it away or I tucked it away for later. And then like two weeks later, the coach actually called me. He's like, hey, I think we sent you out a, a questionnaire. I don't think you ever filled it out. So he's like, well, I'll send it back. And so then he sent it back. And from that point, you know, I was pretty heavily recruited by Minnesota. But I still didn't realize like that's what I wanted. I didn't know. And I remember like during the basketball season, coaches were trying to get me to come visit. I'm like, no, I can't miss a basketball game. I can't miss a basketball practice. No, 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 I can't do it. So I kept pushing my recruiting later and later and later. So I didn't actually visit Minnesota on my official visit till like probably this time of year, my senior year, which is pretty late in the recruiting process. Sure. And I wasn't uh, ready to commit at that point. And so I just kept going and like dragging it out, dragging it out. And then I actually remember the time I was talking to to my coach, uh, Steve Placentia. And he said, Ben, what are you waiting for? And I clearly remember this. He's like, what are you waiting for? And I'm like, I don't know. And then my, my commitment to him was, I guess I'll go to your school. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things in there I want to touch on. One, I bet you the coaches were probably thinking in their heads, why is this kid playing basketball? He's going to run in college. He's going to get hurt or he, he's this is strange, probably because I would imagine a lot of the people that they students they recruit are running all three seasons. That's kind of funny. And then the, the other question I have for you is, did you take any other official visits besides to Minnesota? Touching on the first question, um, you're absolutely right. Not as much from coaches, like they didn't voice that to me. And if they had, I would have tell, told them, you know, go screw off. This is my high school like experience. When I'm in college, you can tell me what to do, but not now. So even if they thought that, nobody said it. But I did have like parents on the on my basketball team, parents of my friends that I was playing with that like were questioning that exact same thing. Why you're, you're going to be a division one runner? You're going to have a scholarship. Why are you playing basketball? Like I I'd hear them or my parents would hear them talking. They, they'd ask like not like angrily at my parents, but like just like legitimately concerned. Like, why? Why is he risking this? And, you know, I would reply that that's that's what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to be there with my teammates. I wanted to be there with my friends. And so, yeah, you're right. It wasn't common. I had a couple of college teammates that like Nordic skied during the winter season, you know, because there's a correlation between that and running. But I don't know if any of them were, were basketball players through their entire high school career. And then the second question you asked about other official visits. I took a visit out to Montana State uh, in Bozeman, beautiful area right near... Uh, Big Sky and Bridger Bowl, so two ski areas. I actually took my skis with <laughs> on my official visit. I'm sure that's exactly what the coach wanted. He didn't let me go skiing or he didn't, uh, it, there wasn't time in the schedule. But the main reason for that is one of my best friends, I played basketball with him, did track with him. He was a year younger than me. His older brother actually played football at Montana State. And so we'd gone out several times to go skiing and like stayed with him. And so his mom kind of like put me in touch with the coach. So took a visit out there, took a visit to Drake in Des Moines, Iowa. And I actually went to Drake uh, during the Drake relays, which in college I actually raced in the Drake relays all four years. So that was pretty cool. And it was right around that time where while I'm on my official visit from Drake or to Drake, and I understand like the Drake coach was busy trying to run a meet. And so it wasn't necessarily as structured as a normal visit would be. But I found myself cheering for all the Minnesota teams. And that's where I'm like, hmm, if I'm cheering for all the Minnesota teams, that's probably where I should end up. And then uh, I took a, a couple of visits to Division II schools, one uh, in southern Minnesota and one in uh, South Dakota. It's really interesting to hear you retell this experience because when you first told me that you got that letter from Minnesota, 
University of Minnesota, your heart was racing. It almost was like, oh man, this is true love. You just like knew right away, but you really didn't. It took that whole process to go through and make that realization. And even in the end, when the coach asked you, what are you waiting for? That was when you kind of were like, oh, I guess I'll go there. So looking back on this, what advice would you give high school student athletes who are considering running or, or, or they're being recruited right now? What advice might you give to these young athletes? I was pretty naive in the whole situation. I'm okay with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with my naiveness. Is that a word, naiveness? It is now. Naivete, something like that. Okay, whatever. I'm going to stick with naiveness. I teach science, not English. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into this more as we progress into the college years, but you know, find the experience that works for you. Find the fit that works for you. I'll touch back on Montana State. I just didn't click with the guys that I my hosts and the people on the team, it just, it wasn't the right fit at that point in my life. Um, I was recruited by a couple other schools that I never ended up taking visits and it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. So, you know, stay true to yourself, stay true to what you want, not what other people want, not what you think they want. I actually uh, talked to my parents not too long ago about the whole recruiting process. And I'm sure they were happy that I ended up being uh, choosing Minnesota. And I'm happy I chose Minnesota. It was a great fit. It was a perfect fit for me. But there was no pressure from them. Financially, we were in a position where um, between student loans and some money that my parents got in scholarships, like we were able to cover the cost of college. So it wasn't just like the financial, certainly the financial aspect mattered, but it wasn't the only thing that mattered. Find the right fit, find what works for you. That's really solid advice. Because like you said before, we were talking about the whole you playing basketball, there's so many people I would imagine who are going to voice their opinions, whether you want to hear their opinions or not, about your future. And when it comes down to it, you're the athlete, you're the student who has to go through this experience. And and finding that right fit, I think, is really solid advice. So once you get to the University of Minnesota, what is that experience like for you running for Minnesota? You're running all three seasons, I would imagine. And I would imagine you grew so much along the way. I would say that coming out of high school, I was absolutely like a, a division one track prospect. I would have been more borderline like cross country prospect, if that makes sense. I was a mid distance guy. So give me the 800, the mile. Uh, high school was 5K, college it's 8K and then bumps to 10K for the regional national meet. So entering into the, uh, the fall season, there's a little bit of insecurity. You know, is this the right fit? Am I good enough? Do I belong here? And I, I struggled my my first year and I actually spent uh, five years at Minnesota. So I redshirted all three seasons my first year. But that that first season in cross country, I ended up with at least one, if not two stress fractures. I ended up with like low iron, borderline like anemia, and we're just getting my, my butt kicked. And now there'd be some good days where it's like, hey, I, I showed that I belong. But there are a lot of days that it was just like, just fighting to get through things. And that's, you know, going from a, a high school experience where from my freshman or sophomore year on, I was our number one runner at my school. I was winning most of the races that I was in to, you know, just struggling to find a spot on the team. That was, that was a difficult transition. Uh, and just as much mentally as it was physically, because I mentioned like that insecurity, that doubt, like, hey, is this the right spot? Do I belong here? Am I good enough? And as a runner, you know that the mental aspect of running is is huge, is just as big, just as important as that physical aspect. And when you start to doubt yourself, 
your performance suffers. Sometimes when that doubt creeps in, and if you start to believe that doubt, it's almost like the race is over before you've even run it, or, or the workout is over before you've even completed it. That's really good to hear because obviously you were able to make it through that first year, so you were to overcome those obstacles and persevere through. Looking back on it now, what were some of the things that you think led to the injury and the not feeling like you fit in initially? Do you think it was your training in high school compared to a division one program in college, or do you think it was the anemia issue, or maybe it was a combination of a a number of things? I do think there was an aspect of like the adjustment to the training. As I mentioned, my mom was my cross country coach in high school and I'm a hundred percent believer in what she did. She purposely like under trains us. Like she wants there to be more potential. She doesn't want to maximize things in high school. She wants her athletes to be like lifelong enthusiasts of the sport. And so I was a very low mileage guy coming out of high school. I didn't run at all during the winter, um, as we discussed before, and going from just, you know, playing soccer, basketball, and running to just running uh, year round, it, it took a while for my body to adjust. What were some of the changes? I would imagine that you said you're a low volume in high school. So you're running how many miles in high school? And then when you're going to division one, did you guys get up to over your, your career in college? Did you get up to a hundred miles a week? I had teammates that did, but uh, I never did. I think I maxed out in the mid seventies, maybe high seventies. Um, I remember in cross country for a couple different years, I kept like very detailed logs, the miles, the route, the workout, how you feel, all that stuff. And I, I think I was probably averaging 65, 70 miles a week in cross country. And then track was probably about 45 miles a week. Um, Whereas my high school track experience, I was probably running 20-ish miles a week. Um, So there was a a huge increase in that. When you were in college, and maybe you you already had this feeling going in from high school because you ran cross country and you ran track and field. Did you have a preference towards one season or the other? Cross country is so different than track. And I would imagine indoor track is so very different from outdoor track. So did you have one season that you favored more than the others? Cross country certainly wasn't my favorite. (laughs) Between the two track seasons, uh, I prefer outdoor track, but I probably had more success indoor track. And when you look back at things, having success always makes it more enjoyable. To me, I was a track guy that ran cross country. And I don't regret running cross country. I think it helped build some of that base. It, it helps with the mental strength. It keeps you focused. It keeps you in shape. There's a lot of advantages to it. But to me, I was I was a track guy. Very cool. That's so funny because I've never coached track and field. And like, I know I'll do workouts on the track and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just don't like this at all. But I can see that when you get past that, because I have myself personally, I can deal with like maybe one or two times a week in a, in a training plan. If I'm on the track, I'm not as happy. But if I do one really hard workout on the track, I might not want to do it. But then once I get through it, I'm like, I feel so accomplished because not only is it tough physically, but mentally, like you're going around in the same circle and you have to like stay focused to hold that pace and work through these these workouts and things like that. But I'm guessing you never, you didn't feel that way. It was more, that's where you felt the love of running on the track. Absolutely. Like I said, being a mid-distance guy, when we were doing intervals on the track, rarely would be those intervals be over 400 meters. I can hurt for 400 meters. That's not a problem. When you're doing, you know, six mile tempo runs and you're hurting for the last three miles, that's a long time to hurt. 
the anaerobic burn, I, I love it. I love that feeling running fast. I love it to me that that's, yeah, the kind of runner that I was. So what was your favorite event in, in track and field? Individual events. Yeah. The, the indoor mile is, is kind of cool because the division at uh, the division one run uh, level, you actually run the, the true mile. It's not the 1600 meters, you know, the mile is what 1609 point some meters. So actually running the true mile and actually telling people like, Hey, this is my mile time. That's pretty cool. The 1500 is, you know, the, what they call the metric mile outdoors. So that's you know more or less the same event, but uh, there's just something special about running uh, relays with teammates. And we had, I had some very good teammates. We had some very good relay teams. So either the, the distance medley relay, which is uh, starts out with a 1200 meter leg and then a 400, 800, and then 1600 or the four by eight, just because of the team aspect, I, I preferred those two probably over the individual events. That's a really great answer. You got very specific and that helped me because I've never coached track and field and so that gives me an idea like, hey, it can be very individual, but there's a team aspect to it, especially with the relays. Because I feel like cross country, it's very team focused. How can we get across our first five runners in front of the other teams? Like that's the only goal. Like you can be time focused, but really what it comes down to is like, let's get more of our guys across than anybody else or more of our girls across than anybody else. We talked about your first year being at University of Minnesota being a real struggle physically mentally, like fitting in those things. So how did you change or how do you feel like you changed and grew as an athlete and as a person over your five years at Minnesota? So towards the end of my redshirt freshman year, so that first year, um, I finally started to adjust to the training. The training now was more suited to, to my physiology, uh, you know, more speed stuff, more stuff on the track. And I actually ended the year, you know, mainly racing against like local division two and uh, division three guys. But I think I actually uh, ended the year winning like my last six or seven races. So it's like I started to to gain that confidence that, as I mentioned earlier, that that mental aspect, I started to to believe like, hey, I, I, I do fit in. I do belong. This is where I I need to be. I think another summer of logging higher miles than than normal being mentally prepared for what was expected in cross country, being willing to accept the fact that I'm not going to be the best cross country runner on the team. It's okay. If people beat me, I'm still a good enough runner. I still belong on the team. So I didn't like live and die by each workout and just taking a more like holistic approach to my, to trying to stay healthy as well. Uh, It got to the point where I would spend probably 45 minutes to an hour every day, like after working out in the training room, icing things, stretching things. And that was just to like maintain like any health that I had. If anything varied from that, then it would spend even more time. I I would take, you know, ice baths five or six days a week. I would ice my, my, what is it? Your tibia is at the, uh, the inside shin bone. Yep. Or usually get like your shin splints right right around. Yep. So I would put four bags of ice on, you know, two on each side on my, on my tibia uh, every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And so it's just all this work uh, just to make sure that I'm, you know, as preventative stuff to, to try to minimize those, you know, the shin splints, the stress fractures in the lower legs, just the, from the general wear and tear, general pounding that you, you put on your body. So it sounds like you learned throughout your time there how to take really good care of the recovery part, or you learned that it's so important 
to be competitive, you have to stay healthy and you have to do those little things. You have to do the time in the training room. You have to do those ice baths. You have to do those other things. Do you have a favorite memory running in college? So I knew this question was coming. I spent actually a fair amount of time uh, contemplating it and reflecting. So there's, you know, the time with the teammates, whether it's on, uh, for all of our indoor meets, we would take buses to like Iowa, Nebraska, you know, seven, eight hour bus trips and we play cards the whole time. So like the spades games on the buses, uh, we got into Euchre cross country camp. We played a lot of cribbage, you know, just the general camaraderie and the bonding with the teammates was, or is something that I look back upon quite fondly. But if I'm to pick like one specific memory, it would have been uh, the outdoor big 10 meet of 2003. It was actually, uh, we hosted it in Minneapolis. We won the team title, which was amazing thing to do in front of our fans. I ran the 1500 in that race or in that, at that meet and finished fifth in, a, in an absolutely loaded field. The guy that won was, or turned out to be like, uh, I think he was the silver medalist in the 2012 Olympics. Uh, the guy that was second was like a multi-time national champion. I had teammates finish third and fourth. And like I said, I finished fifth and I beat, you know, multiple All-Americans, beat multiple national champions, like just in Stackfield. And to do that in front of our home fans and to have that, that team aspect. And if I remember correctly, we scored in every event, but the pole vault. So it was like a complete team performance. We just dominated the competition. And just to, to do that in front of my family, in front of my friends, in front of our home fans was, was amazing. What an incredible memory. And just now that you get to kind of look back on it and see who you competed against in that race and what they've gone on to do, like you said, some of them went on to go and compete in the Olympics. You could, you still have that. You're like, cool. I, you know, I ran against that person. That's, that's pretty special. What do you think it takes to run at the division one level? It certainly takes uh, some natural ability. Like you can't deny that, but it takes the mental piece that we, we've talked about. But it's also like an understanding that your life is going to be consumed by this sport. And I think that's the case with any Division I sport. Um, and maybe more so in running, because as you mentioned, like we're competing in all three seasons. Uh, I, I had friends that, you know, played football and during the football season, football was their life. And then they had their spring ball, which football was their life. But in between, they would have their freedom. My swimmer friends, they were competitive during the swim season. But then even though they're still, you know, working out and swimming year round when they're not competing, there's, it's a more relaxed, more chill environment where we're running like you're on for, you know, starting in August when we report to camp through the end of May. And then during summer, sure, we get to take uh, two to three weeks off, but then you're already pounding uh, the pavement, getting back after it uh, to prepare yourself for the next cross-country season. The talent, the, the mental toughness, but then an, an accepting of the fact that this is going to be, and I don't want to come off and say that running was more important than the education. Now, you, you, you took care of the school stuff, but you took care of the school stuff. It's like, hey, okay, I, I did all that stuff I needed to do for classes, so now I can focus on running. And uh, to accept that that mindset, and if you're willing to, and I did, and I, I don't regret it. Like I 100% enjoyed my time there. You'd have friends that'd be like a random Tuesday, and like, hey, let's go out to the bar, and you're like, nope, I got an early workout Wednesday morning. That's not going to happen. Or, hey, let's go uh, 
take a weekend trip to head out to Colorado to go skiing. You're like, nope, I'm racing this weekend. So it, it limits some of what you can do at that time. But I think the camaraderie uh, and the experiences, the places you get to go, the people you get to, to meet, at least for me, more than made up for it. That's a really great, complete answer. You, you answered it in so many different ways. And I would imagine with any college athlete or anyone that does a sport for more than just uh, leisure or exercise, and you do it all the time, you, there's always a risk of burnout. But you mentioned in there so many other parts to it and how you kind of were able to accept that, hey, this is going to be my life for this time. I've made the commitment and stuck with it, which you kind of have to know what you're getting into, which is good. And I hope that people out here that are listening, whether they're student athletes or whether they're people who are just reflecting on like, hey, maybe I could have ran. It gives them a perspective on what that is like. So let's get into some some final questions, Ben. What's running like for you now? You competed at such a high level. How much running are you doing and, and what are you enjoying? Because you really love the track. I don't know of a lot of adults that do that. I know there are adult track meets, currently not with COVID-19 and everything, but what's running like for you right now? So you, you touched on burnout a moment ago. I feel confident saying the majority of my teammates are burned out from running, or my former teammates are burned out from running. I did have several that uh, competed professionally for you know however many years, but the the teammates that I'm in touch with, whether it's uh, injuries and aches and pains that no longer allow them to run, or they're just sick of it. Very few of them run anymore. And I'm not judging that. I'm just making an observation. For me, I tried to do the post-collegiate bit a little bit, uh, but I, I just, at that time, I found that I had too many other interests. Um, so when I went down to South Texas, where I met your brother, I was actually being trained by one of my former teammates' dads, and he was giving me workouts, and I was sticking to them, but I was also playing like in soccer leagues two to three days a week, and I found that was a quick uh, recipe for disaster, either trying to get a workout in and then going and playing two hours of soccer or vice versa, and so I, I tried it for a, you know, probably six-ish months, and I actually raced, uh, I think, two or three times in, in track meets and ran like decently well for, you know, all things considered. But it just, I wasn't willing or able to put in the time necessary to compete at the level that I would want to compete at. And so that kind of transitions to where I'm at today. Um, I actually uh, went for a run, even though it snowed today, I went for a run probably five and a half miles, just to whatever, just to get out the door. And so, well, now with COVID-19, I'm probably running six-ish days a week. But, you know, if it weren't, if we were, you know, a normal day, I'd be coaching soccer right now. I'd be playing in a soccer league. I'd be skiing on the weekends. So I'm lucky to get in three to four days a week and run. So I, I still like running. I still do it when I can, but it's just not consistent enough to be at that level that I'd want to be, which is why I, I really don't race anymore. Um, when I first moved to Colorado, there was a, a series of trail runs or trail races that I did down in Colorado Springs. And those are fun. And then I've also done uh, our school for the last three or four years has done a relay marathon where uh, we actually have won a uh, $1,000 for our school, which is one of the main reasons that we do it. And like, if I'm going to sign up for a race, I'm going to lend my name to something like I'm going to train for it. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do what I can. But those uh, 
experiences or those situations are few and far between just because I like doing too many other things. That's the competitive side in a lot of us, right? And you've touched on it throughout this whole conversation. It's like something inside us that when we sign up for a race, we really want to, you know, put our best foot forward, literally, but also like, you know, really put in the training and put in the time knowing that we're going to give it everything that we can. So it sounds like now running is more of, it's something you do for for wellness and fitness, but maybe not uh, competitively, which is cool that you've had that reflection and you've, it seems like you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Turns out I really love soccer and the, my soccer, even though I played soccer as a kid where I was at in rural Minnesota, our soccer program was, was kind of a joke. And so to move to South Texas where soccer is huge um, and to be exposed to players that play at that level and then to, to move to the Denver area where there's all sorts of like competitive adult leagues. I've coached soccer, both Texas and where I'm at currently. And yeah, loving soccer as much as I do. I guess I find that my first touch is crappy when I'm not in shape. So I run for soccer because I, I play so much better when I'm like not worrying about that fitness piece. I'm 100% content with that. I still do it. As, I guess one other thing I put out there is I run for like the, I don't really get stressed, but I think I, one of the reasons I don't get stressed is because if something bothers me, I go out for a run, I reflect upon it, I come up with a solution. And by the time I'm done with my run, then it's over, it's solved. And so I would say I run for that piece and I run for, for soccer. That's a great answer. Uh, I've, so many of the people, the guests that I've talked you know, throughout this podcast journey have shared the similar thing about how it just helps you find that, centers yourself and helps you find solutions to problems. And for me personally, like you said, if I have something that's like on my mind, Oftentimes I don't run with music or anything like that. I go out and just let my mind wander and let me work out this problem. And then I'm able to have some sort of calm over whatever the issue might be. Ben, you you ran middle school, high school, college, after college. Do you have any tip that you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners out there? Like just something like new runners, like if you ever run and you're running in the rain, you put newspapers in your shoes, it soaks up and dries them out. Like something could be as straightforward as that, or maybe it's something more complex, something like that. But what's a good tip to share through your years of experience? I feel I've had enough long-winded answers uh, that it would be a change in character to give something short and sweet. So I'll stick with one more philosophical idea here. And actually, I I did this not more than probably three days ago, sometime this week for sure, just going for a regular run. I wasn't uh, trying to do a workout or anything. But there's this uh, about a mile trail through this little park near where I live. And during my second lap, there were four deer that were just standing you know, in the middle of the field. And I probably stopped for like 10 minutes and just stared at the deer. Now, I've seen thousands and thousands of deer in my life. So it's not like seeing deer is anything special, but it was just like, it's a beautiful day. It's not windy. It's not cold. The sun is setting. There's some deer just hanging out there. Why not just, just stop and take it in? And so that's kind of where I would tie in that, like, don't fall victim to like others' expectations, like stay true to who you are. Now, when I say that, like, there's obviously a fine line between that and like pushing yourself and holding yourself accountable. If you're doing a workout, you can't just stop in the middle of every workout and say, oh, there's a beautiful flower I want to look at. But every once in a while, it's okay to just take in the scenery, stop your run, if it snows a bunch and you have a tough workout, don't freak out about it. 
go find a golf course and do a deep snow run, you know, heck like go sliding instead. I mean, just, just deal with uh, what's in front of you. Don't freak out about it and just take that more balanced long-term approach to it. The amazing thing about that story with the deer is if you didn't go running, you wouldn't have seen them. So running can take you places and have you experience things that you might not experience if you didn't go for a run or if you weren't a runner. So I think that's a, that's a good tip for, for anyone out there. So Ben, I ask all my guests this question. I usually wait towards the end. Why do you love running? It gives me a chance to solve the world's problems. You mentioned how you rarely run with music. I don't know if I've ever run with music ever in my life. I have, uh, I'm going to hold up my phone. I know your listeners can't see it. I have a flip phone, so I don't have the the fancy GPS or any of that stuff. Like a lot of times when, when I walk out the door, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how far I'm going. I don't know if I'm doing a workout or not. And I just start running, you know, kind of like uh, Forrest Gump when he's just like, I just started running and just, I see something that I, I see a different path. I want to take that path. I take that path. And then during that time, I, I'm constantly reflecting, thinking about whether it was a, a lesson that went really well and how I can duplicate that or a, a lesson or a student that I'm having problems with and like what I can try differently, frustrations at home, frustrations with the world, like whatever it is, I can use that time. And that's me time where it's just me and my thoughts. And as I said, by the time I get done with that, that run, whatever problem that existed has, is no longer a problem either because I'm too tired to remember about it. I've come up with a solution or I've just moved on to something else. So it's just my chance to reflect upon the world. Having that mindfulness time, that time for yourself is so important. It's a beautiful thing, you know? And I would imagine most people would agree with you on having that time to just let your mind run. All right, Ben, I think that's a great place to end our conversation. I would say, you know, where can people find out more about your running story? But when you hold up your flip phone, I'm guessing that you're probably not too plugged in on social media and those things. So we're going to have this podcast speak for your story. You gave us so much great insight, Ben. I really appreciate you coming on the For Love of Running podcast. Thank you very much. Jeremy, thanks for having me. Stay safe. Have a good night. Thanks again to Benjamin Hansen for giving us a detailed perspective on what it is like to run for a Division I program in college. You can tell from his interview that running for University of Minnesota is an experience that he cherishes. In such a digitally overloaded world, it's nice to talk to runners like Ben who have a flip phone and don't worry too much about sharing run stats on social media. Ben keeps it simple. He runs when he feels like it. Ben also runs to reduce stress problem solve, and stay healthy. Thanks for listening to the episode eight of For the Love of Running podcast. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so your support really means a lot. Please share this podcast with your running community and connect with the show on social media to let us know why you love running. Until next time, I'm your host, Jeremy Stevens. Happy running!